Let us go to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. And we'll find our scripture text, amen, in verse 25. The gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. Starting at verse 25, you will find these words. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon... And all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Mm. But seek ye first yeah, yeah. the kingdom of God yes, and his righteousness. Yes, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. For tomorrow will worry about his own things. Mm. Sufficient for today is his own trouble. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I just want to talk to you a few moments from the thought. Worry. It won't do you any good. Yeah. Worry. It won't do you any good. Once again, we are endeavoring to see what the Lord has for us in the gospel according to Matthew. Knowing that Matthew was once a tax collector turned apostle of God, a man who wrote this gospel from the perspective to show Jesus as king. We're dealing right now with the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5, 6, and 7. We realize that these are the words of Jesus to allow us to see what his mind was around what it meant to be a kingdom citizen. 
As I said before, the, the words of the kingdom of gender is brought out in the Sermon on the Mount. And I like the way Dr. Tony Evans says what the kingdom agenda is. He says that it is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our lives. I like that because it's not the invisible demonstration, but the visible. If we're going to be kingdom citizens, if we're going to be ambassadors of God, we must be those that the world can see living out the mandates, living out the commandments that God has given us. They have no more than eyes to see, so therefore we must manifest the truth of the gospel, amen, through our actions. In Bible study, we have been looking at chapter 12, amen, where Paul says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's about not only in our spirits being sacrificial to God, but also in our bodies, because the world sees our bodies first before they will ever see our spirit. Amen. 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 And so the, the, the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, is continuing to teach us what it means to be a kingdom citizen, how we must conduct ourselves in order to be the light of the world. In chapter 5, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, by no means will you enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so for those who heard those words, they must have been confounded because when they thought about how the scribes and the Pharisees conducted themselves, amen, they said, if their righteousness is not enough, then what more righteousness can there be? But see, with men, sometimes we can be fooled by other men, but God is never fooled. See, God saw past their outward shell and their outward religion and saw that they were hypocrites. He called them whitewashed sepulchers full of excess and distortion. But we find also in the book of Romans, in chapter 3, around verses 21 and 22, that Jesus Christ came to give us righteousness apart from the law. See, what Jesus is saying here is the way that the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to approach righteousness through the law, he was saying that there has come one who's apart from that law, much you must have faith in in order to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees inscribed. In other words, you can't do this on your own. Amen. Amen. The Christian walk is not a walk where you can sit down and fill out some paperwork and draw out a map and do some figures and say, I got it now. The Christian walk is a walk of life that you must walk by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The only way to walk this life is by being empowered by the Christ, the son of the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit. There are dictates and mandates in the Sermon on the Mount that cannot be done unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, so as we look at our text, We see here in verse 25, the first word we see is therefore. As I said before, amen, when you see the word therefore in a text, 
you should be quick, fast, in a hurry to ask the question, what is it there for? All right. Now, usually when we look at this passage, we look at this passage disconnected, amen. But let us look at it in the context of what we've already seen and heard. The therefore, since there is a transition from verses 24 to verse 25, we realize that in verse 24, God says to us, Jesus Christ says, you can't serve two masters. You will love the one or hate the other. You will be loyal to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means money. We discussed that in some context, according to biblical scholars, it is a spirit, amen. It is thought of as a Syrian spirit that were, people were bowing to as an idol for their well-being, amen. But if we leave it even out of that, it is a mentality that says that I need money to live. Without money, I can't make it. In other words, you set money up as a God instead of the God of all gods, the Father in heaven being the supplier of your every need. Somehow we get to the point that we believe that if we can just get some money, we'll be all right. As we talked about last week, sometimes we can be fooled into saying, I need some money, and if I can't get some money, then God better come through for me. As if to say, I don't need God if I got money. But if I ain't got money, then I'll call on God. No. You need God regardless if you have money or you don't have money. Because money can't buy you waking up in the morning. Money can't buy you peace of mind. Money can't get you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Money can't buy you the breath that you have in your body. You can get the best doctors in the world, but if God takes his hand off of you, you're out of here. Amen. You cannot serve God and mammon. So in the context of this, we have also seen where God said to us, they wanted to know how to pray. And he said, well, pray like this. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You, God, give us this day our daily bread. See, the reality is that money is not what provides our Lifestyle. Money is not what provides what we need to live. It is God. And God gives it on a daily basis. So in the context of that very thought, it says, therefore, do not worry. So you either believing and trusting God or you worry. Well, you're either serving God 
or you're serving something else. You can't serve two masters. I've heard it said that if you're going to pray, then don't worry. If you're going to worry, then don't pray. Because you can't serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. You will be loyal to the one. And as Sister Terry said, you will despise the other. You will, you will have contempt for the other. You will relegate the other one to a dusty place on the shelf. Wow. And it's unfortunate, even in the body of Christ, even amongst believers, some of us have put God on the shelf in place of money. Look, look, look at our text. Look, let's, let's look at this closely. He says, don't worry about your life. Well. First of all, we must understand that God is the giver of life. There is no life without the Lord. The Bible says when, when he created mankind, he breathed the breath of life into Adam. And I just want you to know today that he's still breathing the breath of life into you and me. Amen. Amen. So we don't need to worry about our life because our life is not our own. Yeah, yeah. The one who never sleeps nor slumbers, mm. who has all power in his hand, who knows all things and is everywhere, our life is in his hand. Amen. So he said, don't, don't worry, don't, don't fret, don't get all stressed out about your life, but cast your cares on me. Well. Because I do care for you. Matter of fact, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you don't have life because I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. And so when we look at our text, we, we see that he says, what will you eat or what you will drink? Know about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So easy we can get caught up in the issues of life. We can get caught up in the day-to-day -day grind of life. We can get caught up in how are we going to get this material thing or that material thing? As somehow we've got to figure it all out. I got to figure out how I can get something to eat. I got to figure out how I can get something to drink. That's why folks end up stealing from other folk. That's why folks stealing stuff off the shelf because they're not trusting in God to supply, but they're trying to trust in themselves. Folks stealing, trying to get money, trying to get things, because that's their God, not the God of the Bible. They believe this idol is the one that supplies their needs and really do not realize that without God, there would be no money. Without God, there would be no life to try to sustain. God is the source of all things. Amen. So when the believer looks at our lives, 
we ought to understand that we're no longer under the curse. In the garden, amen, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, when they disobeyed him, the curse came on Adam that he would have to toil on the earth. He would have, but anyways for him to eat, he would have to eat by the sweat of his brow. Am I right about it? But that was not to be continued. That was the curse. And so the curse was taken from us through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Galatians lets us know that the Bible says that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Jesus Christ, when they put nails in his hands, and nails in his feet. They hung him on the tree for you and for me. He took on the curse that we had so that we could live in blessing. See, the New Testament covenant, when we're in God, now we don't have to do it by the sweat of our brow. We don't have to figure out everything ourselves. Now we have the master at work on our behalf bringing about the resources that we need. But the devil is always busy. He's always deceiving and being deceitful and trying to make us believe that we got to figure it out ourselves. We keep toiling, we keep getting into things, trying to make it work when God has told us we don't need to figure it out but wait on him to work it out. But we're not patient. And so we end up wringing our hands and worrying over how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that. And that's the problem in the first place is that it's how I and not how he is going to do it. But God is sitting high and looking low at all of his children and is saying, why don't you trust me? I give him my son for you. My son has come back and said, we've sent the spirit for you. We've given you everything you need to know that we're your every need. Why don't you trust me? When you worry, you break my heart, the Lord says. You hurt me because that means that you don't trust me. Amen. You figure that you have to figure it out yourself or you have to have this little God called money to do for you what only I am designed to do. And it hurts the heart of God. So when we look at our text, we see, he said, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And he asked the question, Are you not more value than they? Look at the birds of the air. The birds do what they're designed to do. Amen. They eat where they're supposed to eat. They fly where they're supposed to fly. Amen. They do what they're designed to do. And guess what? In this object lesson that God gives, the birds don't Take money and put into savings accounts and checking accounts. Amen. They don't sow in the CDs and IRAs and 401ks and 
They don't sow in any of that, nor do they reap, nor do they look at Franklin Templeton looking for a 6% on year upon year return. But yet the Father supplies their ever need, don't you? He shows them where they are to get worms, where they are to feed, where they are to get food, and they live on, and they continue to do how they are designed. But the human, but 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 his crowning creation is the only ones that spend more time out of the domain of what he's designed us to be than anyone else, starting in the garden. God told Adam and Eve, you may eat of any tree in the garden except one. Now, I don't know how many trees were there, but it sounds like there was more than one that they could have eaten from. Amen. But just leave this one alone. But this crowning creation just could not stay in its domain. Listening to Satan like we too often do. And then before you know it, Eve is chomping down on some fruit that is forbidden for her to eat. And Adam comes right along with her and eats the same thing. All these trees, one, but we just couldn't stay in our domain. But it's not all that different today, amen. God says that he will supply all of our need according to his riches in glory. But before you know it, we've gotten out of our domain again and said, that's all right, God, I got this. You know, I done figured out that if I, if I do this integral calculus here and then I make this move here and then I make this investment here and I do this and I do that and then I go talk to this guy or that gal, everything's going to be all right. God, I don't need you because I done figured it out. But God will put in stumbling blocks in your way to show you that you are not self-sufficient in yourself, especially the children of God. Because when we start to act like we're self-sufficient, then we start to not work out the kingdom agenda. Because now we look like just everybody else. The world is out there toiling and the world is out there uh, screaming and scheming. Amen. But not the church. We ought to show the world that there's a better way. You don't have to sweat like you're doing. You don't have to scheme like you're doing because I'll show you a more excellent way. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then he'll come and live on you on the inside. And he'll provide for you what you cannot provide for yourself. You'll find out that the things that you used to toil for, you don't toil for no more. But if we don't act like that, then how will the world know? It is the kingdom agenda. Thank you, Dr. Tony Evans. It's the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every, not some, over every aspect of the believer's life. Amen. And so as we look and continue in our text, he says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? If we take this in the wooden literal sense, first of all, he says, After you get through wringing your hands, 
Are you any taller than you were before you started? Amen. You might be shorter. Amen. But by implication of this text, we find that he says, what he's saying to them is saying, can you add one day to your life, Reverend, by wearing? Most likely you will take some away. Amen. Stressing and straining, causing undue affliction and conflict in your heart. Amen. Causing a breakdown of your inner organs because of stress. That's what worry does. It brings stress. And all this is is saying that, Lord, I'm not trusting in you. I'm looking at my external situation and I'm looking this way, but I'm not looking that. That's what worrying says. Amen. So he says, stop worrying because it won't do you any good. You're not going to get any taller. You're not going to live any longer. You may get shorter and live less because worrying is serving another master. Instead of serving God. Worry. It won't do you any good. Look at our text. Now he moves on to vegetation and the the elements that we see in the greenery. Amen. He He says, so why do you worry about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field. Hallelujah. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, as I say to you, that even Solomon, now you know that was a bad dude right there. Solomon was arrayed in gold and purple, and man, he had frankincense and myrrh. He He had it all. I mean, he had gold and temples and all of these things. And he said even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, look at this. Now, let's add a few more verses here to, to really bring this out. Now, verse 30 says, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, God just said he's got some plants. He's got some vegetation out here that he's put together that are arrayed more, with more splendor than even the great King Solomon. And you know what? They didn't have to think through nothing. They didn't have to matriculate through the hollowed halls of academia. They didn't have to get the right political connections. They didn't have to rub shoulders with this person or that person. They didn't have to come up with some fancy schemes like a Ponzi scheme, they just live like they were designed. They come up in the season that they're supposed to come up in and they flourish just as God has designed them. And even Solomon, even King Solomon was not arrayed like one of them. So we, by now we ought to be getting some hints, y'all, to what we ought to be doing. We ought to be living like we were designed. When when, when Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me, and on that third day morning, he rose with all power in his hand. 
He was finishing, he had finished a work, amen, that he was bringing about a new covenant, a new way of living for his people. No longer would they have to toil and sweat and pull and push to try to meet a standard that they couldn't meet in the first place called the law. He brought about a new covenant in them in that now they will meet the requirements of the law by having faith in him. Jesus has flipped the script so that we could reach the standard that we couldn't reach on our own. He has designed us to be creatures of faith. If you look at the text, he says, oh, you of little faith. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has been designed by God to be a creature of faith. And faith in Jesus Christ. But some of us have decided that we will do it our own way. We've got a world that's in chaos. And we've got a world in all sorts of trouble. Because they've got faith in a whole lot of things. But don't have faith in God. But you and I, us baptized, born again believers. Even in us we have little faith. We're still trying to live out something and in a way that we were not designed. Anytime that we're worrying, we're not having faith. Amen. We're walking and we're doing, but we're doing it, trying to do it in our own power. We have to stop trying to figure it out and to let God work it out. You know what? It'll cause you a lot less grief. A lot less sweating, a lot less pain, a lot less heart palpitations, amen, if we just let God be God and let us walk as he has designed us to be. And God wants to array us, amen. He wants to array us with splendor. We wants to be, make us those bright lights that this dark and dismal world needs to see. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. And they're going fast. There are men and women, boys and girls being shot and being killed every day without knowing our Savior Jesus Christ. And they're lifting up their eyes like the one rich man DVs in hell. This is serious stuff, saints of God, that we get about the Father's business and start operating as if we're designed. Because when we get into worry, we lose our direction. We, we, we get concerned about things that are not the things of God. And we get concerned about the things that are the things of this world. So as we look at our text and get ready to come to a close, amen, we see, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, there it is. When he says Gentiles here, he's talking about the pagan. He's talking about the unbeliever. He says all these things, that's what they seek. But you must be different, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You must not do like the Gentiles. You must not be out here scripping and scraping and scheming and, 
and dreaming on things that God has not planned for you to do in the first place. You must show that you are relying on God for your every need. The world needs to see you in the midst of chaos with your legs crossed and a smile on your face. Not hypocritically, but genuinely. And they'll know the difference. They need to feel a spirit that says, they show our calm and collect. Everything is out of control and they sitting there like everything's all right. They need to be able to say, what's wrong with you? Why are you like this? What, what's going on so that you will have an opportunity to witness to them about the good news of Jesus Christ? See, it's in our walk that people are confounded. It's in our walk that people become curious. What's different about them? But if we live like everybody else, there's no curiosity to be had because we just like everybody else. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God is saying to us, I didn't design you to live like that. I, I, I didn't design you to be around here trying to figure stuff out and doing all this stuff in the world and neglecting me. Because what has happened, you're serving a different master and I've been relegated to last place. Yeah. It's after you worked all your hours on your job. It's after you have tended to all the things that you wanted to be part of, do you even think about me? You can't find your way to where you need to be in me because I'm in last place. Well. I'm in last place. I'm standing around looking for you to come and you saying I'm too busy. You saying I've got this to do or that to do. I've got to be here or there. And the master is saying, but what about the kingdom? Yeah. Well, what about my agenda? What about the things that I've designed you to do? Why, why is that last? I say make it first. Yeah. Because remember that the job that you have, the only reason you have it is because of me. You might think it's because of your degrees and because of your connections and because of your intellect, but you had none of them without me. He says return to me and bring that which is first to me. The reality is that God is love and that we only love God because he first loved us. He made us a priority. So let us make him a priority today. Let us stop saying after a while, when I'm done with this, then the Lord. Let us stop putting everything else before God and get back to the first things first. Because the reality is at the end of the day, it's only what you do for Christ that will last. There are so many things that we're doing that's going to burn up in the fire. 
God is not going to be at the pearly gates saying to us, oh, how many hours did you put on that job? Well, I saw where you spent six or seven days on the job. No, he's going to say, where were you when I called for you to worship me? Where were you when I called for you to praise me? Where were you when I called for you to go out into the harvest? Because the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Where were you, oh little faith? Where were you when I called on you to go into the communities, into the cities, and tell folks about the good news of Jesus Christ? Where were you when I said, go to this place or that place, and you ignored me because you were too busy? Well... You were too busy with the things of your life which you decided that was a priority and you relegated me to a shelf. In the last days, I found myself on the shelf dusty because you didn't think enough of me, but you thought enough of yourself. Today we say, turn it around. Today is the new day, a new opportunity to start living for the Lord the way he has designed us to be. And what we'll find is, as this text says, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. If you seek God first, the text says, and his righteousness, they will be added. By implication, by somebody other than yourself. It does not say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you can add these things. But they will be added. God is saying, you don't have to worry about this other stuff if you put me first. He says, I'll add all that to you. I'll add all the splendor. I'll add all the peace and joy. I'll add all the provision that you need, but you need to put me first. Don't forget me. Because I didn't forget you. Don't forget that way before you were ever thought about that I had you on my mind. Don't forget how the story goes that down through 40 and two generations that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings came down who was born of a virgin and wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was laid in a manger because there was no room in the inn. He put first things first. He grew in stature and in power. The Bible says by age 12 he was debating and cross referencing the word of God to those who thought they knew it all. And the Bible goes on to say that his parents were looking for him one day. And when they found him, they were so upset because he had stayed back at the temple when they were on their way home. But Jesus Let them know that I must be about my father's business. Some of us need to tell some folks that we don't have time to be 
on their agenda. Because we must be about our father's business. Jesus Christ said uh, that while it is day, uh, that's the only time that men can work. Uh, For the night is on its way uh, when no man can work. I don't know about you, uh, but as the years and decades go by, I realize uh, that my time is getting short. And that I must be about the Father's business and not the business of this world. I'm not saying that you don't need to work to provide for your family. But God is saying, put me first and I will give you what you need to provide for your family. God is saying that I've got a more excellent way. Instead of you stressing out, God's got a way to provide without stress. Oh, ye a little faith. Don't you know that the cattle on a thousand hills is the Lord's? Don't you know that the silver and the gold is his? Don't you know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it? I'm encouraged right now that when that boss tries to threaten something if you don't do what he or she wants you to do, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and that boss that dwells in it. Don't you be afraid of man, but be more afraid of God. But God is saying that I want to be your provider. My name is Jehovah Jireh. He wants to be your peace in the midst of the storm. He wants to be your workout instead of your figure out. God is saying Go ahead and do my will and look and prove that I will not give to thee that which I promised. Remember last week when we looked at Malachi. He said, bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. And he said, prove me now herewith. He said, not later, not five months, not ten months, not ten years, but now herewith, saith the Lord, that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there may not be room enough to receive it. He said, try me in these things and God will show out. He will show up and he will show out for the purpose of the kingdom agenda, the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every over every aspect of the believer's life. But I would be remiss if I didn't finish the story that Jesus ministered to us for three years, amen, on the dusty streets of Jerusalem. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He gave speech to the dumb. He said to a man who had been 
lame for 38 long years. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He's saying that to Christians everywhere today. He's saying you don't have to be in that place. You don't have to be in that place of worry. You don't have to be in that place of struggle. Rise, take up your bed and walk and follow me. But the story doesn't end there because at the end of his day here on earth, he was marched from judgment hall to judgment hall for you and for me. The Bible says they marched him down the Via Della Rosa, the path of suffering for me and for you. He put first things first. Jesus the Immaculate Lamb of God. Jesus, Ezekiel's will in the middle of a wheel. Jesus, Joshua's battle axe in the time of war. Jesus, the seed of Eden. That same Jesus, they took him outside the walls of Jerusalem out to a place called Golgotha's Hill. But they didn't take him. He gave his life because he could have called a legion of angels and they would have delivered him. But because he loved you and me so much that he allowed himself to be marched outside the walls of Jerusalem. Because he loved us so much and put first things first. He allowed them to put nails in his hands. He allowed them to put nails in his feet. And the Bible said he died on that old rugged cross for you and for me. The Bible goes on to say that they took him down from that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But it was early, early. It was early Sunday morning. He got up with all power, all power in his hand. Power to give sight to the blind once again. Power to give hearing to those who cannot heal. There is others that needed to speak but could not speak. Power to take a sin-sick soul and make it alive in him. He was here for a 40-day layover to encourage the saints of God. But then he stepped out on a cloud and went back to glory. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Amen. In a seat for you and for me. But the good news is he has not abandoned us. One of these old days, the cows are going to roll away. One of these old days, the sky is going to split. One of these old days, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and they that remain shall be caught up in the air. Ain't that good news, children? Ain't that a time of shouting? Ain't that a time of praising the Lord? Because he said what he's going to do, and we just need to be about the Father's business. Praise the name of the Lord.
praise the name of the Lord. Amen. At this time, the doors of the church are open. There just might be somebody in this place that has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. That has not asked the Lord to forgive them of their sins. That has not asked the Lord to come and live in them. If you are here today, you can come just like you are. You don't have to be pristine perfect because that's not why Jesus came. Amen. He didn't come for folks who were well, but he came for the sick. Amen. And also, he didn't come for those who were wealthy. He came for those who were broke. He has provided salvation for all of us, and it won't cost us nothing. It is free, but it's not cheap. Jesus gave his life for it. The Bible says God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Today is the day of salvation because the work has been done. You can come to the Lord today. It won't cost you anything. Because he's already paid it all. Yes, Come to Jesus. Make up your mind. Come unto and minds are clear. Let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Good to see so much of our family again here today. Amen. Amen. It's such a blessing to see you all. I don't count it a small thing. Amen. Of God's grace. Amen. But I'm overjoyed in my heart to see you guys. Amen. (laughs) Well, he
Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we thank you for all that we have heard and seen on today. Lord, thank you for your word today, Master. Lord, allow this word to be implanted in our hearts, O oh God. Lord, that we can be the Christians that you have called us to be. Lord, we want to be better Christians. We want to be better lights. Lord, we want to be about the Father's business today. Lord, help us to be mindful and be aware of what you would have us to do. Master, because we don't know what day, what hour, what second you're going to call us home. We may be young, we may be old, but it is your set time. Master, help us to work while it is yet day. For when our personal night cometh, we cannot work. Master, thank you for every saint under the sound of my voice, oh God. Thank you for New Zion as a whole, oh God. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to be a beacon in the midst of a community. Lord, let us have hearts of gratefulness, oh God, that propels us to be about the work so that we redeem the time while we yet can. Lord, and as we prepare to give in our offering, our tithes and our offering, Lord, we ask that, we, that you bless this offering. Lord, that it might be used for kingdom building, oh God. That in that great getting up morning, that when we see you face to face, Master, that you say, servant, well done. You've been faithful over a few things, and now I'm going to make you a ruler over many. Lord, looking for that day, Master, boy, but help us to have faith in you. Because without faith, it's impossible to please you. Lord, we ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Lord, as we go from this place to our prospective homes, continue to protect us out on these dangerous streets and on these dangerous highways so that we can come back together once again to praise your holy name. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers.